You are listening to HPF's Orange Heart, the podcast. We'll peel back the layers, tell the stories of heroes, tap into the knowledge of the experts and humanitarians, educate the public, and protect our children. This is our world. This is the Humanity Preservation Foundation. And this segment starts now. This is Orange Heart, the podcast, and we're continuing to reach out and have individuals that are volunteers. Um, the next individual that we're going to interview today um, is well more than a volunteer. Um, he's one of my best friends. He's been a superstar on RVN as somebody who was interviewed for that, and we'll talk about that as well, too. And um, he kind of just like stumbled into being a volunteer. Um, so his name is Josh Hubler. Say hello, Josh Hubler. Hello, everyone. And uh, he's he's the person that you go to if you need, you know, because he knows a guy, and that's well well known throughout our organization. So um, interesting enough, um, often Josh is connecting on a meeting after he's like climbed a tower, been on a rooftop, freezing cold, burning hot. Um, and that's because who do you work for? I work for Ericsson. So uh, we do telecom mainly in North Jersey and New York. That's my market. And uh, we work for primarily T-Mobile, but do some subcontracting work for AT&T as well. And um, you recently got promoted as well too, right? You were a tower tech or? Yeah, I was a tower tech one. I just got promoted to tower tech two and I'm shooting for top hand by the end of the year, hopefully. Whoa. Okay. Um, and the reason why I started off talking about Ericsson is because um, they have a program within their organization um, in which they match donations. You want to just quickly talk about that from last year? Oh yeah. So uh, last year, me and my my old foreman, we uh, we did a donation match. I looked it up on Ericsson's and like submitted uh, HPF for um, the like the donation process or whatever, and then they were finally approved. So we did a donation, and me and my foreman, and then they matched our donations, and I think we raised um, somewhere around. I think our donation was like eighteen hundred dollars, and then. Ericsson matched that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we actually were able to make them a sponsor and we're going to promote it through this year. So um, those that are listening, if you have an organization, you work for a company that does that, by all means, certainly let us know. And you guys also promote, They Ericsson also has the volunteer program as well too. So you can put in for a, a volunteer day and you don't have to work and you come and help us out. Yeah, uh, that's what I did for the Orange Tie Fair last year. So yeah. basically, my company paid me eight hours to come out and, you know, volunteer for the Orange Tie Fair and help yeah. get everything set up and everything. And then, you know, I was obviously a guest and helped out while I was there at yeah. the actual event. Uh, which is awesome. So, um, all right. So let's talk about how. Um, uh, so I, I met Josh at his Fourth of July party for the very first time. Um, in July of 2018, and then um, we really uh, didn't really talk talk until um, New Year's Eve of December 2018, um, and that was when I was able to really kind of like talk about HPF and what we did, and um, I know that we had gone out to dinner shortly thereafter that somewhere in January, um, and 
I was talking about our big fundraiser that we have and you were like, oh, well, I'd be willing to help out. We did your birthday, ax throwing, um, shotguns earlier in the morning. That was the first time I ever shot a gun. Um, And then um, you were like, yeah, I'll help you out loading in. Like, no problem, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, great. We had him on the list. He was going to help us out. Um, And so not (laughs) not only did he help us out with that, but the person that was supposed to run the photo booth that year crapped out, wasn't able to do it. And I was like, can you run the photo booth? And ironically you had photo booth experience, like, which. Yeah. I, uh, I worked for a company for, uh, it was kind of like my side hustle for a while was, um, uh, I started out as just like photo favors at bar mitzvahs and weddings. And that turned into photo booths. So I had plenty of experience running a photo booth and, you know, hooked up with the guy who uh, donated the photo booth for the event, and he kind of just walked me through the process, and then I wound up running the photo booth that night. <laughs> so, the reason why I laugh is because just, um, oh, just the situation, uh, uh, the way things, like, fall into place. So, um, and then um, some time went by. Uh, you were off from work after September. We were preparing for bruise against bruises and you were like hey i'll help you out like you know i've got time in my time on my hands so um and that was when you did a lot of stuff like i don't know i had you running all over the place going to breweries and picking up stuff and Uh uh-huh that was an awkward experience just like walking in like hey can i have some uh free stuff for this event that we have coming up uh i think we reached out and most of the people like that worked there had no idea what i was talking about but you know, threw yeah. together some items for me or whatever last minute and yeah. uh, picked up some donation items for you. And yeah, it was just kind of like riding around South Jersey, picking things up and getting what I could for that event. And then, you know, showing up there to try to help set up and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, which is pretty historical, just that, like, um, from that point, I remember you sitting at my, uh, like my, breakfast bar in my kitchen and we were prepping a bunch of stuff for bruise against bruises um we were like a week away from from the actual event and i was kind of like laughing just at the fact that you know here you are and i was like well at this point you're in so you know you gotta you just gotta keep going with this and you kind of have been ever since so um I, uh, the funniest part is that I'm sober and I was walking in all these breweries asking for free beers. <laughs> I, just <laughs> the event itself, when you think about it, right? Um, yeah, and because you went, I know you went to the um, the one in Berlin. I know you went to Double Nickel. Um, mm-hmm. There, there was the Westville place. Um, but yeah, eight sand over by my house. The who? Oh eight yeah, sand over by my house. Eight and sand. That's right. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, almost like a little bit of an oxymoron there. So, but mm-hmm. I, it was uh, it was very much appreciated, and it and the event was really great and um, good stuff right there. So let's talk about um, and uh, you know we don't have to go too into depth, but I want to just kind of like back up to um, when you and I had gone out to dinner that night after New Year's we spoke, I was telling you how I had a talk show and I do, this is an RBM 
you were kind of telling me your story in regards to, um, well, gosh, I don't even know how to call it because I don't even want to call it what we know it to be right now. But you were telling me yeah. about what I think we titled the episode of like institutional abuse uh, because the Glenn Middle School and that's how we kind of titled the episode. And that was uh, that was two years ago yesterday. Yeah, that, uh, I came on hands off and we uh, we discussed the, you know, the institutional abuse at the the boarding school of the future that I went to and right. how it was, you know, nothing but uh, brainwashing torture facility that was a money-making operation ran by a company called wasp that, that was based out of utah and ran by the mormons and uh yeah, yeah um within the last year paris hilton came out with her documentary and turned it into breaking code silence and that's kind of where rvn and uh hands off has been for the last 20 weeks and we just wrapped that series up on breaking code silence and um yeah so i i kind of kicked that off two it, years ago it and kind of like blew up it blows me away because when i think about you and i sitting at that desk and doing that interview and there wasn't even a whisper of breaking code silence like you know it was it wasn't even like a thing that was well known um yeah um it's it's kind of weird because like it went from my like i'm in a multiple facebook groups wasp survivors and uh, academy at ivy ridge survivors and all that and um you know it, it go, went from like a trickle to you know full bore the faucets open somebody took the cap off the fire hydrant everything started flooding out and then new groups started forming uh breaking code silences uh, i think they just got their nonprofit status and they're actually opening up an organization trying to provide services for survivors from the troubled teen industry and um, are just trying to get like more of the word out there on, you know, setting up legislation. I know that um, Utah and I think maybe Georgia um, have already passed some legislation trying to regulate the these organizations because there's really no regulation and these facilities go like the facility I, I was in, for example, it wasn't, they weren't monitored by anybody as far as the state or anything like that. And they also weren't accredited. So, you know, the high school diplomas and credits and everything that they had issued were not valid. I happened to get lucky in the school that I transferred to when I left there, accepted the credits as, you know, homeschool credits. But a lot of kids um, basically were just beat for those credits and had to get a GED when they left there. And, you know, their parents had paid upwards of a hundred thousand dollars for them to be there and was thought that it was an accredited school that was not um that's funny that you say that too because i was actually going to mention like the whole money piece to this um and that it was all about the mighty dollar um but i think that um i think that what's important is for individuals to to know that um those establishments were abusive i mean it was uh, you know i think my summary that I put out, still are right uh, that's it, the it, thing a lot of these facilities are still open and um uh I, I think that's the the big part about breaking code silence now is trying to get either these facilities you know at least some checks and balances from the state but if not getting them shut down for mm -hmm. you know the allegations of physical mental abuse sexual abuse um 
you know, the money-making scheme that the whole companies that, you know, that's basically what it's all about. And I started my journey in Mexico and left Mexico to go to upstate New York after Mexico was shut down and I was deported from the country. Um, you know, they, they revoked my visa. I had like a student visa, I guess, or whatever to be down there. And, um, that visa was revoked and, you know, they dropped me off at the, the border. Um, it was, uh, it was quite an experience and these facilities kind of, you know, my mom took a second mortgage on her house to send me away thinking that, you know, I was uh, a troubled teen and this was going to turn me around. And I went in there, you know, maybe slightly troubled, but I left with an opiate addiction and, you know, PTSD, night terrors and a lot of physical problems uh, you know I basically almost died and that was the only reason I got out because my kidney started failing yeah and I, you know so just to just to back up real quick so I what I remember is the Paris Hilton thing was coming out you reached out and you said uh we should put my story back out there again um mm -hmm. and we renamed it so that it matched the um because at, at one point it just said josh humbler as the as the recording um mm -hmm. but so that it was in line with breaking code silence we put it out there put it out there on twitter and then you came back to me and you were like you should um we should do something with hands off and rvn and interview some of these people and um what i had no idea was that some was going to turn out to be 20 of them um yeah and um, but I, I have to tell you that I, um, you know, one of the reasons why we created HPF was to give it a platform um, to, you know, for people to be able to tell their story and it worked and the appreciation, I mean, as you know, I was telling you, you also know somebody that one of the people that we were, that we interviewed, um, they were so appreciative to just be able to have a place to give their voice um and i know for me it felt good and i'm i know for you it had to have felt good yeah um it definitely felt good to to be a part of you know the whole breaking code silence movement from the sidelines um because of the you know ptsd and everything like when breaking so code silence uh kind of started blowing up it was tough for me to even be a part of it like you know that restarted the the flashbacks and the nightmares and all of that you know happy memories but um yeah uh, i did watch uh, my friend cynthia's episode uh recently and um that was really the only one that i could watch like it's just to bring all those memories back up is just uh it's a tough experience it's like reliving the whole thing and um yeah it's just it's not a great experience to kind of be back there or get pulled back into that like circle of you know circling the drain basically of you know the despair and everything that yeah. i went through while i was there it's interesting because i um I, one of the things that i use as an example is i directed people to some of the stories and you know we shared some of the stories on our on our uh, uh our Sunday stories every week and and people would come back to me and they'd be like oh my god I was I, like it, it was really upsetting it was hard it was this it, da, 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 da. and I was like yeah and imagine if you had to live it and then you had to read all about it and you had to talk yeah. about it like 
And that's what was happening, like, you know, with you and a, a gazillion other people. But I, that's why I always have such respect for those that have come on the show, told their story publicly. I, I mean, it, it, it really is a brave move. It's never an easy thing. And even right now, having you talk about it, I, I certainly hope, you know, it's not like, I know we're not talking about details and specifics, but it's still always there. Yeah, it definitely is. It's uh it's always there. It's probably always gonna be there. Like it's um I don't know. Uh I, I for a while it was just kind of like in the back of my mind and just like kind of sat there. But um I feel like I've worked through a lot of it in therapy and stuff, and uh that definitely helped and it is still helping, you know. I'm still currently in therapy and um you know that definitely is a push in the right direction, but you know, it'll always be there. It's yeah. just, you know, managing it so that it doesn't become a problem or I don't circle the drain. You know, when I, it comes um, up. I love that. I love that expression, the circling of the drain. Um, I also want to bring up the, um, what's one of the things that we were talking about earlier, um, which is just always amazing to me is um, that we're going to, get you on as a follow-up interview on RVN, um, which I think is amazing that you have the, I don't know, I don't want to say courage, but tenacity to want to do that. Um, I don't know. I think it's awesome. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I love that you said that. And I don't know. We'll talk about where things have been and what has gone on and, you know, um, just kind of like a, a conversation. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, I mean, life definitely showed up after my last interview and I've had a, a roller coaster of ups and downs since then. And, um, you know, there's been some really great times and some really, you know, terrible times, um, you know, uh, relapsing on my addiction problems and all that. Mm -hmm. Like it's definitely been a, an up and down with all of that. And, yeah uh wow. treatment and getting help and trying to get back on track and rebuilding my life to where i'm at today yes um has been you know a lot of ups and downs but it's you know it's also great like we um started a whole new project at hpf and you know now we have orange meets purple and you know this year we're operating where we don't even have to charge an emission price like we're just going to offer this service to the community and that's uh that's a pretty big deal yeah so again that is um <laughs> this is this is why i always you know find find you amazing and 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 speak of you the way that i do because you know it, like you had all that all that tragedy you know in, in regards to growing up you come on the show you do the interview you know and it, as much as it's like a thorn you come back and you say I, to benefit others you're like okay let's let's do a series about it let's put it out there again blah 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 then you come and you're like hey i have this idea of doing an event in which you know so orange means purple represents the childhood trauma side and the addiction side coming together because we know that addiction is often a sign of a greater issue of which many times it is some sort of childhood trauma as we have seen 
you and I have certainly attended enough events and, and meetings and stuff where we hear people talking about all kinds. I mean, every single vertical that we handle, um, domestic violence, child abuse, like it's just, it's amazing to me. Um, last year was the first year. Uh, and this was all, this all stemmed from you. Like this was your idea, the orange meets purple thing. And um, it, it was a phenomenal event. Um, and you're right. This year, the ability for us to be able to do it and not charge for people, like I'm really hoping that we get a hundred people in that room. Like that would just be amazing to me. Um, and the, the format of the event is um, we invite agencies that handle addiction recovery. And then we have, um, we have people that um, like attend the event, we give them a speaking opportunity. And this year we have an author coming Andrew. Yeah. Um, who attended the event last year, this year, he'll be the keynote speaker. Yeah. And, and last year, you know, just telling my story and some of my journey um, as the keynote speaker was a pretty big deal. That was pretty cool to just, uh, you know, get the word out there and show that link where, you know, addiction is just a, a symptom of trauma and, how like we link up HPF to the addiction world and basically opened a whole new door to helping a whole new group of people. A whole new group of people. And um, as we kind of come to the end of this, first of all, I love that you put a teaser out there of what the next RVN interview will be like. So good job on that. Um, the pitfalls and the roller coaster, um, the teaser on OMP. Um, but we also just uh, offered out 25 books to the Mara Group, which is uh, uh, Medical Assistant Recovery Anonymous, um, the book that they work out of. Um, and that's coming out of funds from that have been raised for HPF. So, I mean, you know, and the other thing that I wanted to point out, too, is that um, you're married and you have two little kids and a whole nother life. Um, I, you know, that's why we wanted to highlight the volunteers and the people that come on board. I mean, your plate is full, but you're always thinking of what you can do to make others better. I don't know. How do you want to phrase that? Yeah, I mean, you know, 14 hour work days, uh, a wife and two kids at home and trying to be a volunteer on top of it. And just, um, you know, I can come up with good ideas. Sometimes I can't execute them, but that's why we have a whole team of volunteers at HPF. So, you know, if I come through with an idea and everybody likes it and then we get the ball rolling and we have a bunch of other people to fall back on where, you know, ideas might come to me while I'm driving from South Jersey to the Bronx, but um, I just don't have the time to execute them. But with our team, you know, we are making things happen. So when I come up with an idea like orange means purple and we, uh, we all agree that it's a, a great idea. It's opening up a whole new market of people to assist as far as, you know, addicts or addicts in recovery or, you know, whatever the case may be as far as addiction, which is, you know, definitely touched my life and is something that is, you know, pretty close to home for me. Um, we have a whole team of volunteers that are like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, figure out how we can make that work. And, um, and at the same time, let's promote, you know, our other events and things that we have going on at HPF like abuse still sucks and 
the Orange Tie Affair and, you know, get the word out so that those group, the group of people that we're now touching, the, the addicts, are aware that we have services and events that are touching all kinds of different places, you know, all over from bullying to domestic violence to whatever we have going on at the time. And um, I think it kind of just like works when you start putting it all together. I, I don't think for me, I know I didn't really realize that my addiction was part of my trauma until, you know, being in therapy and, you know, doing an intensive outpatient therapy and all that, like really kind of putting the puzzle pieces together of my addiction, because for the longest time, I just thought that, you know, I like drugs and right. that's what works. Like right. for the long, I mean, that was my coping mechanism. And for the longest time, like that's what worked for me was, you know, use a substance so that I don't have to feel a certain way. Yeah. And uh, being in treatment, I kind of realized that like, I was using that substance to mask feelings that I have been dealing with since childhood and, and being introduced to opiates in, in that program was uh, really the first time that I like felt good while I was there. And that feeling kind of just stuck with me. It's amazing. So putting all those pieces together really, um, really helped me in the long run. Yeah. And I, you know, ironically, um, the first time that I ever had a conversation with you about childhood trauma and addiction we were sitting at a bar yeah <laughs> um but I, I i will never forget watching the light bulb go on above your head like holy crap that was when we were prepping for your interview on rvn mm -hmm. that's amazing um and i don't know i just think uh wow what a journey like you know and this is you know, um, just the support to the Mara group, the second year doing OMP, the first, just even the first year of doing OMP um, as a new, new, new event um, is coming from the guy that was going to help load in and ran the photo booth. And he thought that that's yeah. all he was doing. Well, and originally it was just supposed to be load in because most of the volunteers were, you know, female and you were like, hey, we could use an extra couple of guys to like, you know, do the heavy lifting. And I'm like, right. well, I do heavy lifting for a living. That's not a big deal to me. Yeah. And it, it kind of just uh, rolled into this whole, you know, uh, the snowball started rolling down the hill and got bigger and bigger until, you know, I came in and started helping out wherever I could. Which is just, it's amazing to me. And, and I, and, you know, before we come to the end, I want to talk about how like you, uh, you know, there's times when you're on the road and you're traveling for work and you're sitting in the hotel room, either putting stickers on lollipops or addressing envelopes or like, you know, getting flyers prepped. I mean, I, I, these are just amazing things. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to highlight our volunteers and, um, you know, my God. I, that's that's just amazing to me so it's really cool um all right well anything else that you want to say like as a volunteer like i mean I, I always ask this question in these interviews why do you volunteer but you kind of answered that and that's because the things that we're doing have touched you you know close to home yeah, I mean, touched me personally, like, you know, through my journey of 
trauma and volunteering and addiction and everything like you know hbf was there for me in some of my darkest days to you know help pick me up and get me back on track and i think that 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 process kind of led to orange meets purple and a lot of great things and then you know breaking silence uh, breaking code silence came out and like it kind of led me to plugging in HPF into that world because that's like my world and I have a, a foot in that world still. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, it's a great opportunity for, you know, HPF to get involved. We've already done my story. If we can, you know, get some more people on. I didn't think it was going to blow up the way that it did as far as for HPF or hands off as far as 20 people who volunteered right away to, you know, do interviews, but it's absolutely great that it did. And, you know, it just gets the word out there more for people to have the opportunity to tell their story and get it off their chest or whatever. And yeah, you know, alle alleviate some of that, that pain and trauma. And hopefully when parents now are, you know, looking up these facilities, they're like, Oh yeah. Like, this is not a good place. I don't want to send my child there. And um, yeah, so I think that, you know, definitely HPF having such a huge impact on helping me out through my journey of dealing with my trauma and my addiction problems and all that really just like solidified my stance as being a volunteer in the organization. Like at this point, HPF will always be a part of my life. Yeah. Oh, man, dude. All right. Talk about like jabbing me right in the heart on that one. So um, the orange heart. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, uh, I, I appreciate everything that you have done. Um, and without a doubt, like you are definitely the face of orange means purple. Like, you know, that's your baby right there. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's greatly appreciated so well that's our that's it for josh um and you will hear more from him as we promote um his next interview on rvn and i also know that we're definitely not done with breaking code silence as a whole i just you know there, there's no doubt in my mind that we'll continue with that so um, oh, absolutely. It's only getting bigger at this point. And like I said, hopefully at some point we can shut down the troubled teen industry as a whole across the country. And these facilities that are, you know, for profit, just making money and destroying kids at such a young age won't be open anymore. They won't be available. It won't be something that they can just, you know, fly by night open and hire anybody who lives in the local community to provide services like medical care or counseling with absolutely no training and anything like that, that is yeah. just kind of yeah. destroying people. You know what else too? And I know, like, I, I know we're coming to the end. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I have to throw this out here because this is an upcoming podcast and it stems from something that you came to me and said, um, we should start a group of the people that have been interviewed on RVN so that we don't just leave them flat after their interview and how mm -hmm. they feel about it. And we did that. Um, and so I think we're at the point now where all 20 of them have joined. Um, but 
my plan is to do one of these interviews with everybody as a group, whoever can make it, and just talk about that experience of an interview and what it was like and what it was like for you afterwards and what happened and blah, 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 blah. Like, um, and that's the reason why having somebody like Josh as a volunteer that that has a story and there's something to be said about being able to meet other individuals doing the same thing eye to eye and say, I know, I know how you feel and I want to make sure that you don't feel even worse. And, you know, that's, that's like, that's the best volunteer that you can have right there. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't easy when I went through the process, like by myself. And that's why I said it was so important to have a follow-up, you know, group so that people could just like talk with other people who have done interviews. Um, and just, uh, you know, talking with my friend Cynthia and, and messaging her the other day um, after I watched her her interview on Hands Off, um, you know, she said that she watched my interview and that kind of like gave her some confidence to tell her story. And, um, you know, not that we had a whole lot of interaction while we were in there together, but like, you know, she said that she remembered me and all that. And that was, you know, touching to my heart, like that. Um, you know, she just kind of, I could give a little bit of confidence to somebody to kind of air out their story and, and get it out there. Yep. And that's, that is that miracle thing that happens that um, you can, because I did, and I can, because you did like, that's just, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's the most amazing thing. So, um, so yeah, so um, we'll do that as a podcast and we'll put it out there and people can learn what it was like for all of them. I, I'm really looking forward to that. So I don't know. Yeah. Got to get it scheduled and put it out there, but all right. Well, dude, thank you, Josh. I really appreciate you doing this for me. I know no problem. it's a busy schedule and you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, hard. It was hard to pin you down. We actually thought you were going to do this interview while you were rolling in your truck. So it's good that we didn't yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah, we got lucky. At least it's a quiet background. Exactly. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, if you if you caught this interview, thank you for listening. Keep continuing to look for more of these and uh, look for more stuff coming from HBF. And uh, thanks for watching, listening. Thanks, guys.